0: When is Rebel Cop
1: going to wear a shirt with my face on it? Pac-Man, everybody, welcome to the Cynical Cartoons podcast. For today, I watch Shark Tale with Cass from Sans Pants Radio. Cass uses she/her pronouns, and she was such a delight to talk to today. I've been trying to get her on the show for a while, and I think you guys are really going to love this episode. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at stoptweetingmia. Thanks for listening to Cynical Cartoons for another week. As always, I'm your host Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she/her, and I'm here if you need to talk. I think We can just jump into it and start talking about Shark Tale, if we have to. I mean, wow, what a movie. What a film. (laughs)
2: If we simply must.
1: Will Smith's career is really funny because this movie seems like it could have been made in 2004 or in 2019, but not anywhere in between.
2: You are very correct.
1: (laughs) This movie makes sense for early 2000s. (laughs) And then now he's doing like that movie where he's like a super spy that got turned into a pigeon, and I'm like what oh boy yeah you haven't seen trailers for that (laughs) no what is it called i don't know oh man it's like him and tom holland and it's like tom holland turns super spy will smith into a pigeon and then he's just like a bird spy and it's like wow this movie doesn't look very good
2: (laughs) is it animated yes it's
1: it's certainly animated that would be a weird live action movie.
2: <laughs> I was thinking they were just going to have pigeons walking around it and doing their weird little strut thing and just be like,
1: this comedy in this. And I don't know what's more ludicrous about that in live action versus Aladdin, which I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, ludicrous and great. I have not seen Aladdin, tragically. We were together for the premiere. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you guys came out to L.A. I forgot about that. I mean, I knew you came to L.A. I forgot that Aladdin <laughs> yeah. was opening that weekend.
2: That we wanted to go to a particular food shop and then the whole street was
1: closed because the world premiere of Aladdin was on. Right. LA's wild. And I remember on that night being like, wow, this movie is going to be terrible. I can't wait to see how terrible. And then I saw it and I'm like, this is, this is a good movie. It's like a great movie. Oh, all the- Yeah. All of you guys, you, Jackson, Joel, and Adam came out to LA and I got to meet you all for the first time, which was was pretty cool. Like, You know, you'll record with somebody from all the way around the world and you don't really get to meet them. And even like my other show, Unfortunate Associates, I record with my co-host who lives in New York across the country from me and like have never met, may never meet in person.
2: That's an... It's
1: very sad because we're good friends, but like just have never had the opportunity to fly over or whatever.
2: That's heartbreaking. I I don't think I've ever considered that you may never actually meet someone you've worked with, but that's a very real thing. Right. Wow. I wonder how many people in my life I'll never see again, you know?
1: Shark Tale, Cass, I gave you a list of movies and I was like, hey, does do any of these sound good? Do any of these TV shows sound good? And you latched onto Shark Tale.
2: Yes, I did. Uh,
1: like the shark that you are. What What about this movie appealed to you to talk about on the podcast today?
2: Uh, you gave me a couple of films and then we like, we can do some TV shows. But as soon as I saw Shark Tale, I was like, yes. They made sure that all the animated characters look like the actors. What a choice.
1: <laughs> yeah, look like the actors and also like... Just are the actors. Like the characters in this movie aren't really compelling. They're just played by famous people.
2: Yeah. I've only found out really recently about like voice acting training. And there's like a school in the US. I can't remember where I think it's LA, but there's like a really uh, famous school for voice acting training. Hmm. And it's just absolutely tragic that a lot of the time voice actors get passed up just for a famous name.
1: I don't know. This is in the era where DreamWorks was just ripping off all of what Pixar was doing. So it's like Pixar made Bugs Life, DreamWorks made Ants, Pixar made Toy Story, DreamWorks made Toy Soldiers, and then this after Finding Nemo. And it's like, so in Finding Nemo, you look at it and it's like, when you look at Dory or Marlin, you don't think about the actor most of the time. You're not like, I'm just watching animated Will ah. Smith. You're like, these characters are characters.
2: Yeah, it's like, um I... Didn't know that Dory was played by Ellen Degeneres because she played a character, right? But you you know every single person in this film,
1: right? Yeah, when you watch this one, it's either the main character is Will Smith or it's somebody doing a bad Will Smith impression because that's sort of just what Will Smith is—is is somebody doing a bad Will Smith impression, anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did think, in comparison to Finding Nemo, it's like they were—they really did try and glitz and glam it up, which is. Look, this film I was like, are they anti-capitalist or are they pro-capitalist? <laughs> right. But in a varied way, my my end conclusion is that it's a deconstruction of the American dream and a redirection of it to keep people down. <laughs> and then in this film they had um in in comparison to Finding Nemo, like uh Finding Nemo seemed to have a lot of Mattified stuff. It all looked like it was underwater. Like it was all the light. I feel like they did a lot with light in that film. And right. this one, they did. Inc- but that was natural light, and this film was all sparkling light. And some of the fish just had <laughs> glitter in them. They were like, "See, it's glitzier. We've got celebrities and glitter now."
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's really bizarre because, like, when you watch a movie like Finding Nemo, you're like, "Okay." They're fish and they move like fish. In this one, they're fish skins on top of human beings. Like, they walk around like human beings and they move their hands and they move their face. Like, their faces look like the human beings portraying them. And it's like, don't do that. That's kind of (laughs) scary.
2: Yeah, they swim like fish. And then as soon as they come to a stop, they stand up. And then Will Smith uses his little, the way he uses his fins to do like the hammer time dance and every other movement he does. It (laughs) reminds me of when someone bisects their tongue and it moves like they move independently and it's just a bit disturbing. (laughs) Part of your brain is like "Mm -mm, bad. That's an injury. My, I can't like that.
1: I mean, I guess that that's just a byproduct of like, this movie was literally an afterthought. It was like, Hey, DreamWorks is doing this. We kind of want to fuck them over because the whole thing at this time, a little bit of animation history, Jeffrey Katzenberg had left Disney had been like ousted from Disney, went off and started DreamWorks with Steven Spielberg and some other people. And so his entire mission at this time was like, we're going to figure out everything that Disney's doing and try and one up them and do it better. And like 80% of the time they did it much, much worse (laughs) Oh, that's a tragic thing to learn. That's yeah. so that? sad. <laughs> and this is also, it's like writing off the tales of Shrek. So it's trying to be Shrek and trying to be like edgy and stuff. But it's like Shrek has so much going for it where it's like, okay, you can do like basic jokes about fairy tale things that everybody's going to get. Mm. But here it's like all the jokes are like early 2000s pop culture references and fish jokes.
2: Yeah. And some of them were older, like. When he's in the shark's mouth, he quotes about 50 lines from famous films from the past like 30, 50 years. Yeah. Also, they cram all of their fish puns into the first two minutes of the film. It's like their grab. It's like, hey, welcome to fishland. Yeah. <laughs> We're going where Finding Nemo didn't. Puns. Like, I think the closest Finding Nemo came to a pun that I can remember was. um. He keeps trying to tell a story about a clownfish, but that's
1: just a joke. That's just a straight up joke. <laughs> and the whole point of that is that the character is a goofy dork for trying to make fish jokes. Yeah, it's like nobody else is doing that, dude. You don't have to. <laughs> Phenomenal. And and the kind of concerning thing here is that it's not just fish puns, but it's fish puns based on brands. That's what every single thing is. It's like mm. fish king instead of Burger King and Coral creams instead of Krispy Kremes and Gup instead of The Gap. And it's like, are you being paid for all of this product placement or are you just doing it because this movie is disgustingly corporate? It's very gross.
2: It's so corporate. It's so, like, I was... Watching it, like, I've, I'm not American, I haven't ever lived in the US, but right. it just seemed like they were trying to be like, this is the classic American dream, you want to get famous at any cost, it was very that, at least what we get in Australia is like a stereotype of um, LA or making it big or like Hollywood or whatever, right. and it's like, whatever the cost, we'll do it, it's such a tired story, but... Because when they shift it and, it and it's like, everything I wanted was here the entire time. First of all, that ignores the thing that he, he wasn't happy.
1: <laughs> right, right. And also <laughs> and also that I expected some comeuppance for this character for wanting to be rich and thinking that would make him happy. Like me, an mm. idiot, thought that that made him a bad person. But no, the movie says he's smart and right for wanting a penthouse apartment and fucking over everybody in his life to get it. Yeah. The, the character of Oscar is morally reprehensible and not interesting or likable.
2: No, oh my-
1: That's my hot take about Shark Tale. I hate him so much.
2: The whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like, Renee Zellweger, please, please do better for yourself. You right. deserve so much better. And just that the, the whole- sort of movement of it he's like yeah we're best friends and I want better things than you like I want better things than this life and the life that we have and I'm going to be better and when he's rich he loves it I think when he gets upset about it is when she's like I don't want to be friends with you anymore this isn't good and he's like oh okay cool but then (laughs) it all sort of comes around spoiler alert everything falls apart and he's like hey everything I wanted was right here it wasn't. You weren't happy. <laughs> um, so clearly something was lacking and it's like, oh, I, I, clearly I'm actually in love with this person that I just didn't love right. uh, previously. Um, this woman I've been kissing and seeing, it turns out I actually don't love her and now I will go back to my life, but I will still become a manager at the car wash, thus improving my social stature. Right. But because he's learned the, the lesson of sort of changing all of his goals and dreams, he's not going to be the same person anymore. <laughs> Why would she still like him?
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of the basic problem of this movie is that Oscar is an asshole. So anybody who likes him is an asshole. Like, because Christina Aguilera Fish loves him, you're like, why do you love him? Like, can you explain? And I guess it's just like because he has Will Smith charm, but he's like basically a sociopath. Like he cons this other fish into giving him her grandmother's priceless pearl which is worth $5,000 because he owes $5,000 to the mob, long story short. Oh. And then immediately goes and bets on a, 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 a seahorse race with it. Yeah, and it's like, okay, is this character going to get some horrible comeuppance for like taking his friend's most valuable possession, her only thing in the world, and pawning it, and then instead of paying back the mob, betting on a horse race, no, nothing bad really happens to him. He comes off uh, up off that and gets the success he always wanted.
2: Yeah, and further to that one, like, later in the film where... He's sort of like, hey, I've got you something and he's got a box. And they imply in the film that she thinks that he's about to propose to her, which is insane. That's an absolutely insane thing to just think off the bat. Be like, well, now that I'm successful, we're in love and should be wed. Right. But he opens it up and is like, I have the pearl for you. And she's gutted. That breaks my heart for Renee Zellwegerfish to be like, oh, you're just paying me back the five grand I lent you. Um, She has no idea. (laughs) No, don't know. Did she find out he pawned it?
1: No. No, I expect that to be a big moment in the movie where she's like, I don't care that yeah. you came out in the end. You pawned my grandma's pearl, which I asked you to do, but you also bet it on a horse race instead of paying back. The m-. It was very stupid. But I, I think the issue is that none of these characters really act like adults. No. Like she has like a grade school romance with him where she's like writing his name in glitter pens and writing hearts around it.
2: Insane.
1: And she like won't admit that she has a crush on him. It's like you both are coded to be like 35. What's happening right now?
2: <laughs> and as well, like that whole that whole giving back the Pearl scene, she's like crushed. He obviously has no idea why she's crushed. But right. then it's sort of in the, in the movie, it's played like, God, Oscar, the Will Smith fish. You should see through it, you idiot. But no, he shouldn't. That's like a decent thing to do. But then he pulls it up. And he's like, oh, with interest. So you see that he's clearly more clouded by money. And that's something that
1: she can be annoyed at. Because
2: he's now defaced the pearl anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that she feels that way about it, though. That she's like mad that now she gets to wear it around her neck. But she definitely is not a materialistic person, which is insane. Mm. They end up at the end of the movie together because he is a status climber. Like, his entire thing is that he as a kid just wanted to do what his dad did and have like a lowly job they could be proud of. And then people made fun of him for it. And so he decided that he was going to say, fuck everybody. I'm going to be the richest, best fish around. And she likes her like normal life. So why would they ever work together in a relationship? <laughs> it's very it just silly.
2: Wouldn't that section of the Pearl scene is the only part that would have made sense to have a reaction to it. Right. Cause every other part of the Pearl scene is nice. And then he's like, hey, I still love money and I've still defaced something you gave me. I've gone to the effort of putting it back, but I've made it better. But again, that's not even addressed there. It's like, oh, no, you didn't propose to me. Oh, that's
1: sad. See, here's the thing. I didn't even get that she was hoping he would propose. I did not know what she expected. I thought he just said, like, I need to talk to you. And he probably would have said, like, she was hoping he would say, I'm in love with you. And instead he said, hey, here's your pearl back. I'm going to go fuck uh, Angelina Jolie fish now.
2: Whose fins do not work. (laughs) She's (laughs) the only one with hair. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I cannot believe this movie. I thought the movie was pretty clearly broadcasting where it was going to go. Like in the middle, I thought it was sort of going in a bug's life direction, which I don't know if you've seen that movie recently. Basically, like everybody expects Flick to save them. He can't do it. And then everybody has to band together to stop the bad guys. And in this one, I thought that was going to be the oh, thing. Like, everybody's yeah. like, oh, save us from the sharks. And he's like, I can't do it. And they have to band together to help him. But that's not at all what happens. He just kind of does nothing and it works out, I guess.
2: <laughs> he does nothing the entire film. Like, and oh, and that's the thing at the start, he's racked up five grand worth of debt. And when Martin Scorsese Fish is like, hey, you owe me five grand, and he tells Angie about it, she's like, You've borrowed five grand from him. She knows exactly what has happened. Right. And she's like, oh, so he's been like chasing that rich life, been borrowing money to have that lifestyle, which he still doesn't have. He clearly, whatever he spent the money on didn't work. He's got a a lot of get get, rich quick quick
1: schemes. Yeah. He wants to do bottled Mm -hmm. water, which is just like such like a surface level, like joke for the adults in the audience. That's not funny at all.
2: Yeah. And the whole thing is just trying to get better and better and better, but doesn't actually try like from as a kid, he's like, I want to be the best tongue scrubber in the universe. What's the universe for the sea? Right. The sea <laughs> in the ocean. <laughs> and then kids make fun of him and he still grows up and does that.
1: Right. And it's weird because it's like the movie paints him as such a piece of shit. When he goes into Martin Scorsese's office, Martin Scorsese fish is like, hey, here's a pyramid of everybody in the ocean and where they stand on in their ranking. And you're like below the scum at the bottom. You're like below the shit. They had that ready. He's a good tongue scrubber. He's really, he can, probably could do good at another job. We don't see him really.
2: He he seems slippery.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um... No, he's definitely scummy for sure.
2: Oh, yeah. And, like, I think even the Renee zell fish at some stage is like, what have you gotten yourself into now? Yeah. It's like, yeah, this isn't new for you. You're going to live your life tired. This is, You've signed up for a tired life and you've resigned to it. And that's so sad. Right. But I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to sort of – and I know this is reading too much into it. Are they trying to say, like, he's trying to escape – like a familial cycle where he can't break out of the bracket that he's in. Is that what they're trying to say? Because they don't show him trying. They show him telling a lie, getting everything he wants in the world. His hero's moment is telling the truth. That is base level something you should just do as a person. Right. They're like, oh my God, he told the truth. And they're like, so you gave all of this up for, for your lie. Like, <laughs> I think the news reporter says that. They're like, oh, so everything you gave up, or you gave up everything you built with this one lie. How do you feel about this? And he's like, well,
1: and they cut to like him owning the car.
2: Why, why does he own 50% of the car wash now? That's never explained.
1: Because he and he and Martin Scorsese Fish became 50-50 partners earlier in the movie, so I guess that they went for that same deal together. Because Martin Scorsese Fish did come up off this whole deal. That's the thing. When basically the plot of the movie, mm. which we have not got to, by the way, <laughs> is,
0: that, is
1: that Oscar finds a shark who's who just dies and then convinces everybody that he killed the shark and is a shark slayer. And the whole fish colony is afraid of sharks, and so they, like give him celebrity status, basically. So Martin Scorsese Fish, like, comes up off this by putting his face on hemorrhoid cream billboards and (laughs) gives him, like, a sitcom and who knows what. I don't know. A video game tie-in? I saw that. Yeah. And in the end, basically, just has more money than he would ever want. Plus, gets rid of the sharks. So, like, I'd say that the half the car wash is a fine deal for Oscar.
2: It is. It just is surprising that Martin Scorsese Fish would do that after Oscar has been so awful to him. Yeah, that's true. Constantly, forever. Like, it's, it, it, I don't think they became friends in it when he was like, hey, oh my God, I owe you so much money, you want to work with me? And they're like, yeah, 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 we'll get, I do like that scene where they're trying to negotiate and they end up being like, 50-50, are you happy? No, are you happy? No.
1: Yeah. That's
2: just capitalism again.
1: (laughs) Ten minutes before that in the movie, we had seen Martin Scorsese Fish send him to his death to be like, tortured in the barren ocean by his two like, squid friends. So it's like, well, why would you ever work for this guy? And why would you not tell anybody that he like sent you off to be tortured in the middle of the, like what's happening? Why do these character motivations make any sense?
2: Yeah. Does Will Smithfish think he deserves it? He's like, well, I didn't pay my dues. This (laughs) is the course I run.
1: Which, fair. I mean, he should be murdered for not paying back all that money. Sure. <laughs> I get it. Mob rule.
2: Uh, look, I, I think I understand it from the point of sending a message, but the idea of killing someone for not paying you back or injuring them is just like, it doesn't make any sense. Because if you've already had the meeting with a person to be like, pay me back, and they're like, I can't do it, then it costs you money and resources to take out a hit, and you're right. down even more. Right. I know that's a trope because of, you know, sending a message, but fiscally, I don't know how many returns you'll get. If someone can pay you back, they'll pay you back if you're threatening them, you
1: know? Well, I, I would say that the fish world in this movie is generally pretty lawless. Like, the sharks seem to really run everything and they're sort of like mob coded, like Italian mobsters.
2: They're specifically called the mob in the film and there's yeah, no, that's no cops. Yeah, no, <laughs>
1: I think at one point I saw like a whale with like a siren on his back, but there's no cops that ever show up and they're like got like night sticks and they're trying to figure out what's going on, you know? Yeah. It just never really, helped. that's that's why they need Oscar as the hero fish.
2: That that whole scene where Lenny, uh, Jack Blackfish is like, I need somewhere to hide, please, please, please. I can't go back home. Yeah. And then Will Smith fish is like, okay, okay, come through. That is a whale with one red fish and one blue fish that flash intermittently swimming Right alongside it And then as they're going They hide But they've already Established the food chain And that just Wouldn't be a threat If they saw A a shark They'd run But right. I suppose They had that thing At the start of the film Where they were like Oh The entire city is empty If there's a shark sighting anywhere nearby And it has to be Announced that the Sharks are gone So they would have Evacuated the town
1: So I'm just now Realizing that This is sort of Like Supposed to Be like a Western motif uh-. Uh-huh. There's the outlaws that come through town and then the dude drifts on through and has to like save the day. And it's not enough of that to be that intentionally, but it is a little bit like that. I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. I don't know. It's it's so weird to even consider Oscar as a hero cuz he's just no good. <laughs> he's yeah. so bad. He makes so many bad choices and he's rewarded for doing the base level of human decency. It's yeah. so upsetting. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And and the problem with these kinds of narratives where it's like, look at this character who's like very poor and very fed up with their poor life and they want to be rich and they have like all of these friends that are also poor, but less unhappy with their lives like this, like Aladdin, you know, Mm. the problem with all those stories is that when they come up off that and they get super rich and they're the number one celebrity in town, they're never like, oh, let me look out for all of the other people that I used to roll with. Like they immediately forget about all of their poor friends yeah. And don't like set up like an inner city youth program for the spray paint fish or anything like that. No. All, never, never does he think about anybody but himself.
2: He he never does. And it's sort of that weird stereotype of, again, just the the nth degree of capitalist ideals where you're sort of like, I'm poor. If I can do one thing, I will be rich forever. Yeah. And sort of being like. Uh, I can pull myself out of it and that it's going to be more luck and cunning than actual hard work because everyone else they're like oh no we're happy with our lives we're not going to do anything but they're still working they're just it's it's a really weird way to sort of frame that if like if there's a situation you want to escape from you've got to do something insane which is just I mean of course it happens but it's it's a weird message to send.
1: right This movie's ideals are very mixed up, for sure. Like, it's enforcing a consumerist message on the audience from all of the product placement inherent to Oscar's motivations to, like, the ending of the movie where he still doesn't really do anything but still gets to be, like, an owner of the company that he's always worked at. And it's like, why is that what you wanted?
2: Because the end of the film is like, oh, everything I wanted was here all along. And it's sort of, it completely undermines everything they were going for. So it almost ends up being like, no, 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 stay down. Just like what you have.
1: Right. That's so funny too, is like that once uh, Christina Aguilera-Fish like proclaims her love for him. Oh, Renee
2: Zellweger-Fish. You're right. You're right. Christina Aguilera <laughs> is in this,
1: but she's somebody else.
2: Yes. She plays herself. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right.
1: She's working
2: at the car wash.
1: Once... Renee Zellweger yeah. thank you. Uh, proclaims her yeah. love for Will Smith fish. He immediately is like, "Oh, I am in love with her." But it's like you never once before had any interest, or there was never a moment where like he was flirting with her and she was like, "What?" And then he was like, "Oh, nothing." Like he wasn't too nervous to ask her out. He just literally never thought about her because he was going for like big titty, you know, Angelina Jolie fish. It's kind of in- it's just insane. Yeah. To Will Smith fish's credit, he did buy her donuts. He did buy her donuts, but he does say like, oh, you're like my best friend. It's like that classic, you're my best friend, heartbreaking kind of. But I never really cared for those kinds of characters because they're just, they just won't stand up for themselves and actually say they like somebody. Maybe that's callous of me.
2: (laughs) No, it's, it's, I suppose if like, if you're consuming media, it's so frustrating. I know that one of the most frustrating things when you're watching something is watching someone choose not to say something that will fix their life. Mm -hmm. And I know that's meant to be sort of a message where it's like, hey, maybe apply this to your own life and say something if saying something will fix the problem you have. But it's still, it's it's been so done. I'd much rather watch something where someone's brave and it fucks them a bit, but then they still end up fine because that is what life is like. And I think that's a much nicer message. Also that donut scene, I'm remembering now, he brings her a donut and she's, clocked him in because he's late for work yeah he knows immediately who's done it and then is like thank you for covering for me puts a call on her hers on hold so makes her start failing at her own job like he affects her work and she's lied for him
1: I, I mean that's the whole thing is that he, he knows that she's in love with him he's stringing her along because he wants her to do things for him like that's a classic like Mean girl archetype in a high school movie, you know? Oh, that's as the person so mean. that like strings along the other person. Yeah, he's a horrible, horrible man. And he should have been eaten <laughs> by the end of the movie. Like honestly, if the ending of the movie is that a shark eats a fish, who cares? If Oscar has to die to save the day, he should have sacrificed his life for real.
2: Uh, but if if he'd done that. No one would think he's a liar. People would just think he made a mistake and people would still honor him. He'd die a hero. No, that
1: would be a good ending for him. He would get, like, the fame that he always wanted in death. I would love that.
2: <laughs> no, you're right. That's, That's great. That's his Twilight
1: Zone <laughs> ending. He deserves it.
2: <laughs> he has one friend in that entire film.
1: No, I mean, he's, he's pretty good buds with Lenny and with all of those little spray painting fish. I don't know.
2: Well... Okay, I I didn't count Lenny, because Lenny was a new addition to his life. Oh, that's fair. So he knows three children
1: who do crimes. He knows his neighbor, who's an old lady, who he hits on.
2: Oh, uh, yeah.
1: He knows his boss, who's $5,000 away from chopping his head off and killing him. Uh, not, not friends. <laughs> no, not friends, for sure. Not friends.
2: My theory is that they're not friends at any stage of the entire film. <laughs> It's one of those weird work relationships where they're like, nah, he makes me money.
0: Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: So Jack Black is in this movie. We haven't really talked about this character at all, Lenny the Shark. And so the sharks are the villains of the film, but Lenny is a, he's a vegetarian shark Who doesn't like to eat other fish? Which is very weird because sharks need to eat other fish. Like sharks can't just choose to be vegetarian; they need to eat fish.
2: Definitely, it sends a really this this film ends up sending a really weird mixed message. Bad messages about sharks. Also, that scene where so whenever he holds a fish in his mouth, it makes him gag and vomit, which means that it's suggested that
1: that he's alert that he can't eat fish.
2: Yeah, which is a different reason for becoming a vegetarian. It's, it's odd or that he's just so disgusted by holding it in his mouth that he starts gagging. It doesn't make sense. But there is a scene where he does hold a fish in his mouth for a while and it's, it's like a thing. It's like, oh, no, he's going to blow right. and then he vomits up just items. <laughs> so he has eaten a beach ball. He has eaten an umbrella. I think a book is there. Yeah, like a license plate. It's no plate. good.
1: I mean, that's the thing is that sharks do do that. Like sometimes they'll find like a dead shark and they'll like cut it open. There'll be like a bicycle inside of it or something. That's like a thing that sharks that's do. Yeah. Okay. Well, good accuracy then. Here's the thing. It makes sense that lenny would would have a weird gag reflex when there's a fish inside of his mouth because like imagine you just like took like a little tiny person this big, an inch tall and just shoved it in your mouth and then it was in there like doing a little dance on your tongue like that'd be very disturbing. <laughs> you wouldn't like it <laughs> at all
2: look I, no, that would be bad that would be very bad, <laughs> okay, so I'll blame the fish for Lenny's gagging,
1: yeah, Lenny is a terrible, terrible character, and the voice that Jack Black is doing is not good. And it's weird because like with all the other actors in this movie, like even Martin Scorsese, they're like, yeah, just be Martin Scorsese or like Robert De Niro, just be Robert De Niro or Will Smith or Angelina Jolie. They're all just talking like themselves. But Jack Black is like doing a cartoonish voice. He's the only one. Yeah, and it's also not good. It's like, why can't you just like get a voice actor to play this character? Why, why Jack Black and why make him not talk like Jack Black?
2: It's the strangest choice. And I get that they're trying to make this one character seem comedic and a bit silly as a concept. Yeah. But it. I suppose they sort of really backed themselves into a corner being like everyone will play themselves and it would have been mean to cast someone who they thought was a joke and <laughs> to just play the voice. But, yeah, they gave him like the sort of classic, well, the stereotypical mobster accent but twisted very odd. I did like the way he was animated, though, when, with his little fins. Like, they managed to make a shark look really small.
1: <laughs> and I thought that was good. He's the character that looks the least like his actor. Like, when you see Robert De Niro's shark, you're like, that's literally just Robert De Niro's face on a shark. Like, it's very disturbing.
2: Yeah, they give him the, like, mole as well. Right. Yeah, so weird.
1: And it's like, the entire movie is full of, like, references to mobster movies. Like, many of which Robert De Niro was in. And it's like, this is really just disgusting for like another fish to be like, say hello to my little friend and he's talking about a fish or something like that. It's like, all right, guys, what are we doing here? Like, who is that for? Do the parents (laughs) in the audience really love the joke that much? Or is that's not for the kids, for sure. The kids have not seen Scarface.
2: No. Is it just a weird perpetuation thing so that parents get to be like, ah, you know what? That's wrong. We should watch that film. And then they get more revenue because more people are watching their old films. I feel like there will always be those lines that are just perpetuated in new films. Right, yeah.
1: I don't know to what end. (laughs) The films that he references, though, are like The Godfather, Scarface, Gladiator, like all like R-rated, really bloody, like horrible films for a child to watch. The kid that's watching Shark Tale and loving it is not going to watch Gladiator and get that reference and be like, hell yeah.
2: That's odd. So I guess they're thinking it's for the parents. Look, maybe it's for the writers, no, that's true. We never consider if they're just writing for them. <laughs>
1: they're just really trying not to blow their brains out. And then, like, Will Smith is like, hey, can I improvise a few things? And they're like, yeah, sure. And all he does is just, like, do, like, quotes he loves from sitcoms.
2: They're like, I don't know if we can use it. We're using it, I guess. Yeah. Something I would like to bring up just regarding the vegetarian shark mm-hmm. is at the end, the father and son are physically restrained and thus are finally able to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah which I just feel like that's a weird trope where it's like the only time that characters can have a meaningful conversation is when there's literally nothing else they could possibly do.
1: Yeah, this movie definitely deals with toxic masculinity. It doesn't, but it does. (laughs) Who knows?
2: (laughs) It's odd because, like, at the start when I was watching it, if anyone ever said anything about Lenny, like against Lenny, to Robert De Niro Shark, he would be like, no, my kid's good. Stop. Stop. And like he would have, he'd have zero bars of anyone trying to take his son down. And then he was very much like, you're a shark, eat fish, Right. which honestly a bit understandable, <laughs> I guess, metaphorically, you're sort of like, okay, well that's, he's obviously not seeing his son for what he truly is and is not being supportive. But then at the end, he just brings up all this other stuff and it's like, you You were always fine. You always said that he was smart and he had other skills aside from hunting. Like, you were always so supportive until it became inconvenient to the plot.
1: (laughs) Lenny is definitely queer-coded. Like, he's definitely different than all the other sharks. He has his own, like, thing going on. He's not interested in what they're all interested in. The sharks don't really have, like, a sexuality at all. They just want to eat. No. But, like, as far as the movie goes, he's very queer-coded. And so... Whenever somebody says something about Lenny, they're not talking shit. They're like, he doesn't want to eat fish. He doesn't want to do mob business. So that's basically like if somebody said to a homophobic dad, like, hey, your son is gay. And the dad was like, no, he's not. Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. It's like he's not standing up for his son. He's standing up for what he thinks his son is and in denial about the way that Lenny is in the movie. And at the end, he's like, I don't care what kind of clothes you wear if you pretend to be a dolphin. Yeah. That's some weird, maybe transphobia. Who knows what that's all about?
2: (laughs) That was so weird because, like, the whole thing was he dressed up as a dolphin to hide.
1: (laughs) From his dad who was going to kill him.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, it was super obvious, everything. But then as soon as he, like, took off all his makeup and is like, oh, my God, it's you, Lenny. They're like, I don't care if you dress like a dolphin. It's like that was,
1: that, yeah, that was. He didn't want really to dress like out of a necessity.
2: <laughs> he doesn't want to do that.
1: I mean, he did. He did seem to enjoy that quite a bit, though. He loved being a dolphin. He
2: had fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: he,
2: he did his little dance.
1: Yeah, so like the movie just seems to have like such mixed messages about these things. Where it's like at the end, his dad is like, "It's okay to, for you to be vegetarian." It's like, okay, I get what the movie's trying to do, but it's like, yeah it's miles before they would have ever done anything with that and actually like made a character queer and not that I need a queer character in shark Tale, like fuck shark Tale, who cares? <laughs> but I don't need any of these fish to really have sexual attraction to each other. And the fact that it's treated differently just reinforces those barriers for people, especially kids yeah. of like this kind of thing can be in a cutesy kids film and this kind of thing can't because it's too adult.
2: I think there are elements of, like, hypersexuality. Like, the sharks are have no sexuality aside from the shark who sees the Angelina Jolie fish and was like,
1: well, if I didn't have a wife. Oh, no, you're right. When she comes in the room, they're all, like, jerking off under the table. They're all into it. That's really weird that they're not attracted to other sharks. They're only attracted to Angelina Jolie fish. Oh, my God. do you ever see a female shark? No. I mean, I guess that we only see the sharks in, like, their mob hideout. The only time we ever find out that,
2: like, they have any women in the shark community is when the guy's like, I wish I didn't have a wife so I could fuck this Angelina Jolie fish. That's the only time.
1: Maybe all the sharks are gay. No, that Ah. doesn't make any
0: sense.
2: (laughs) Oh, on the whole vegetarian thing, Mm -hmm. right at the end, Will Smith's just sort of like, first of all, he's like, oh, no, I didn't kill your son. It was an anchor. Right. Robert De Niro just believes him. Cool. Yeah,
1: Um, but Lenny backs him up, right? Like, Lenny is like, I was there and I saw him get killed by an anchor.
2: Yeah, no, that is true. And that's sort of why he ran as well, because he really felt guilty. But at the end, Will Smith's like, hey, De Niro fish, we're cool, yeah? He's like, yeah. And it's like, cool, okay, so the sharks will never come to this part of the reef again. Right. Uh, which, which, how do they eat?
1: <laughs> I, I kept on waiting for them to have some, like, bullshit throwaway line about, like, I'll teach all the sharks how to be vegetarian, says Lenny, or something yeah. like that. There was never a line like that. It's just, like, the sharks are not going to specifically eat Oscar and his friends. I don't know. And they'll come back and get cleaned at the whale wash, and it's like, Sharks gotta eat. Like there's a food chain here. The fish are also yes. eating other life in the ocean. They're not gonna stop eating the krill or whatever they eat just because. I don't know. It's very stupid.
2: Well, there's, there's that um, that that gag right when they're sort of introducing the entire city, where there's a fish who runs a sashimi restaurant, and no one's there. Yeah, <laughs> just rows and rows of raw fish. He's just looking sad.
1: I like to imagine that was like his first day and he really expected like a grand opening and nobody shows up. Oh, that makes me want to cry. That's so sad. I slaughtered my mom for this meal.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> that must have been so hard.
1: Yeah, all of the background gags in this movie are very stupid. There was one moment that I that made me laugh really hard, though. mm Basically when the shark dad is trying to get shark boy to eat shrimp at the shark restaurant he like puts a shrimp like in his son's mouth he's like eat eat the shrimp and then the shrimp like starts like doing like this pleading where he's like yeah my sister died and i have to take care of my nephew and my nephew broke his leg and i lost my job and i lost my health care and i lost this and i did this and you can't eat me and he like goes on and on for so long i'm like this is a good gag this is like a decent joke in the middle of a movie that's not very funny at all <laughs>
2: It was just sad.
1: Yeah. And then he frees all the shrimp and then the shrimp come on back later and like help a little bit. But it's like we see over and over again in this movie that like the sharks are bad people. So for them at the end to be like, okay, we won't eat you. And everybody's like, yeah, we're friends now. This movie doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Oh,
2: I think a part of the film that really got to me is when... Robert De Niro fish is chasing Will Smith fish. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you killed my son. And he's like, no, it's not like that. And he's like, what did I ever do to you? Why did you kill my son? (laughs) And it's like, that's so sad. This man's like, you killed my child. Why did you do that? I eat fish. I'm going to eat you. Right. If you're eating fish anyway, why not eat the fish that killed your son? He's He's such a sad dad. And then at that stage in the movie, he's lost both of his sons because Lenny disappeared too
1: <laughs> yeah that's true and Oscar did do that to him so yeah <laughs> by helping Lenny escape I mean it's funny like I think that I had always questioned like movies where you have carnivorous and herbivorous herb herbivore well how would you say herbivore I don't care where you have omnivore herbivorous and- sounds good yeah <laughs> omnivore and herbivore animals in the same thing like I think Zootopia really like addresses that. And then you have like the Lion King where it's like, okay, Simba's a good guy, even though he's been eating antelope his entire life. And those are also sentient beings that can talk to him and plead for their lives. Yeah. It's like Lion King kind of writes it off by just saying like circle life, whatever, this is how it all works. But it's like, that's such one percentary bullshit Mm -hmm. where like the king of pride rock would say like, when I die, I become grass and the antelopes eat the grass. So it's okay for me to kill 40 antelopes in the span of my life. This movie does not address any of that really. Like, this movie really doesn't have a moral at all.
2: It really doesn't. Like, the the hero becomes the hero because he lied and then admitted to the lie. He still gets everything he wants because what he wants changes for no real reason. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the real hero in this film is the Robert De Niro fish because he learns a lesson, learns to love, and comes out of losing a son and is still okay. Even he's still okay with interacting with all the people surrounding his son's death. And he's like, no, we can be friends. We can make this work. And it's sort of like, oh, okay, well, we won't We won't kill you. And which is really big to be like, hey, okay, the entire shark community, we're halving our food supply.
1: Sure. But I, I guess just like a lifetime of being a gangster, it's hard to say like, now they're friends, so good shark.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's no good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and also he's just a horrible, horrible man. Like he's very horrible to his son who thinks that he's going to be murdered for like, what, what did Lenny do that he thought his dad was going to kill him for?
2: I, when Lenny comes to Will Smith and is like, Oh, I I can't, I can't go back. I feel like it was my fault. I know it's not, but I feel like it is kind of my fault. And he's like, I can't go back to my dad. Yeah. So I, I always thought it was more of a, like a, a guilt thing. And also like, just because he feels like he's never as good as his brother, so his dad would be angry at him for living.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that was such a sad scene too where he dies because like his brother gets crushed by an anchor at the bottom of the ocean and dies, and his last words to Lenny are like, Lenny, you're a moron, or something like that. It's like, oh no. (laughs) This is really traumatizing for this shark that has a lot of anxiety already built around him.
2: (laughs) It's not good at all. Mm. I feel like a lot of people learn some stuff, but no one's good in this film. There's no good person.
1: Lenny, to me, is a good person. I think that he's a pushover, and I think that he's an asshole because he likes Oscar, and Oscar is the hugest asshole. (laughs) But I think that Lenny is out to help everybody but himself constantly. He's very selfless, and people trample him for it.
2: People absolutely trample him. And that fish, I'm sorry, the shrimp does say to Lenny specifically, you are a good person, Lenny, which... It's a good moment. Just as soon as they bring personage into it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so we're not even pretending. Yeah. <laughs> we're not even pretending anymore. You wouldn't not call them people, but you called them
1: people, you know? Right. I mean, I think Lenny is good. I think um, the Renee Zellweger fish is sort of a good person, but like.
2: She deserves better.
1: Yeah. She's really got like Stockholm syndrome for Oscar or not Stockholm syndrome, but whatever it is where like. You're just in somebody's proximity so much. You think you're in love with them, even though they're horrible. Like that seems like there should be a name for that. And I don't know what it is.
2: Oh, there should be. And just, just the bare minimum, like she bends over backwards to do all this stuff for him. And he's like, here's a donut. She's like, he cares.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that it makes sense that he would never move up in his job because he never shows up on time. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oscar did not show up to work on time to wash whale mouths because he was standing in front of a billboard pretending to be on Cribs and pretending like he lived in like a mega penthouse.
2: Mm, and talking to street youths, <laughs> yeah.
1: his only friends. This movie's terrible. It's terrible corporate bullshit with bad messaging. It's like it's going for a be careful what you wish for, but it's not
2: because it's not about wishing for something. He makes bad choices. And it works for him because tragically, that's how the world sort of works. And then they're like, oh, you did the bare minimum. You told, (laughs) you admitted that you lied. Okay, you get everything now.
1: Yeah, and and then at the end of the movie, so many of these characters don't really get any kind of an ending, including Angelina Jolie Fish, who like fucks Oscar over <laughs> and is literally just like money grabbing the entire movie and trying to latch onto a man with a lot of money. Like that's what she says outright seven times. Yep. And at the end of the movie after we don't see any kind of like a comeuppance for her or any kind of ending at all, there's a there's a point. Did you watch the mid credits sequence in this film? <laughs>
2: No, I did not see the mid credit sequence. Okay,
1: there's a couple mid credit sequence, but one of them is where Angelina Joey Fish goes up to Will Smith Fish's apartment, his penthouse, and she's like, hey, baby, I changed. I don't care about the money anymore. And in his apartment is the crazy crab man who's been a character the entire movie. And I guess it's kind of implied that the crazy crab man now owns Will Smith's apartment and she's interested in him because she's like money-grabbing. But I really could not get a read on that scene. I did not know what it was supposed to mean or what the ending of her character is. She could be murdered by Crazy Trash Crab, and that could be the end of the movie.
0: Hello? Oscar? Listen, baby, I know I was a bad girl, but come on. You'd have to be crazy not to take me back.
1: Did someone say,
0: crazy?
2: Is it a link to him being like, hey, I'm this guy's financial advisor and sort of being like, well, financial advisory pays quite well. Is it meant to be a joke? Like, is that meant to be her comeuppance as ending
1: up with someone that the film has been like, they're no good? See, it it should have been that, but I feel like instead the movie just kind of says because they're in the same room together, now they might be together. Like the movie doesn't connect its own dots of like he was the financial advisor. She thinks that he has money, so they're going to get married. Then she's going to realize that he's a crazy crab that lives in the trash. And then it like cuts to like (laughs) her with like a trash bag on or something like that living in the trash. That would be a great end for her character, honestly. Mm. Learning true of beyond materialistic needs.
2: That would be good. I watched the movie with subtitles on and the first time you see Angelina Jolie-Fish, it's just a song about being a gold digger. It's just a song being like, this woman is a gold digger. She wants money. She digs for gold. She is a gold digger.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is kind of a musical. There's a lot of musical moments in the movie. Not really like a Disney style musical or anything like that. There's just a lot of like hip hop. This movie really thought it was doing something.
2: (laughs) Did they just try and be like, oh, what's cool? It's 2004.
1: I guess. I mean, Will Smith does a a fish rap over the credits, which is like, wow, I thought he was done with that after Wild Wild West, but he came back and did another rap in 2004 for his animated movie. (laughs) And the credit rap that Will Smith does isn't really like a fish rap. Like, I feel like there was like one or two fish puns, but it was more like just singing about love, just generally love. Let's see if I can find... This is Will Smith's fish rap in its entirety. Yeah. I pulled up to the front door of your love and I knock, knocked on your opened up. Now you can't get enough. You was thinking one little day ate sushi with your soulmate. So there's a fish joke, I guess eating sushi is something that a human being would also do.
2: It is, but it's also not what the fish in this movie do because no. they already showed that fish do not eat sushi. <laughs> it's cannibalistic and no one showed up to that place. So I guess that's sort of being like, huh, I'm cheeky Will Smith now. I'm making fish jokes, but like I'm clearly not Oscar.
1: Yeah, and none of this is really about fish. Like even at one point he says, like back in the day playing with Tonka, give me a palm, let me read you fortune. So fish don't have palms, this was definitely just like a <laughs> big Willie style Willenium B side that he decided to put on the Mary J. Blige mix, I guess.
2: He pulls up to the front door of her love, and then they walk down love's
1: corridor together. Not fish. Fish don't walk. So not no, a fish. no, it's song. a house really. metaphor. Yeah. At the end of this movie, they try and do the Shrek and the Swamp Karaoke dance party again.
2: Uh, no. And it doesn't really work.
1: <laughs> And it's like this is only two years after Shrek. You should know how to do this still.
2: That's upsetting.
1: Yeah. It's just very pathetic. Like instead like they just do work into the car wash and Christina Aguilera Fish shows up and sings for a while. And you're like, wow, this is really just like the nightcap on this terrible piece of shit movie.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Missy Elliott Fish is there. Yeah. Christina Aguilera Fish doesn't really look like Christina Aguilera. She's aside from like Lenny. The fish that looks the least like the real-life counterpart, and there's no, not even an illusion. They, he's like, hey, Christina, Missy, come out, sing the song. I suppose Christina actually like, looked a
1: lot different back then. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. Movie stupid, and it was a real waste of time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> look, I did love the glittering effects on some of the fish fins. They were pleasant to look at. It was cool to
1: look at all the fish faces and be like, wow, that was someone's job. (laughs) Yeah, Um, (laughs) Somebody spent two years of their life working on animating this film. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just like someone having to go to their boss repeatedly be like, how's this fish look? They're like, it's not Will Smith enough. You're like, can you please (laughs) tell me what's wrong about it? They're like, no, I can't really (laughs) just make it look more Will Smithy.
1: Right. And then finding Nemo comes out and all the animators go to see it six months before this movie comes out. And they're like, Oh Oh no, <laughs> this movie is good. This movie makes sense. Damn it.
2: <laughs> no, I reckon they would have come out being like, you know what? No, no, ours is different. Ours is really different. Oh, it's different no. enough that you could like both. <laughs> oh no.
1: Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Cass, thanks so much for coming on the podcast this week. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you online?
2: Um, all my social medias are at Cass, Cass Page. And my podcasts are D&D is for Nerds, Why Am I Sad, and Shut Up a Second. If you want to find those, they're on sanspantsradio.com. Awesome.
1: And I'm also on sanspantsradio.com. If you guys want to go over there and check out other episodes of this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, follow me on Twitter at stoptweetingmia. Cass, thank you so much for joining me this week. This has been fun. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Thank you. And as always, I'm Mia Marchant, and I'm here if you need to talk. That's true, and the other thing is, my sister had
0: a baby, and I took it over because she passed away, and then the baby lost its legs and its arms, and now it's nothing but a stump, but I still take care of it with my wife, and it's it's growing, and it's... It's fairly happy, but it's difficult because I've been working a second shift at the factory to put food on the table. But all the love that I see in that little guy's face makes it worth it in the
1: end.